Thank you for tuning in. We trust that you will be blessed and refreshed as you hear this message. It's a very good morning to you all. Are you ready for the word? So I'd like us to pray this morning for ourselves. You're listening to this word, that your heart will be opened and that this word will be a significant word where the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Are you in faith for that this morning? Come, can you talk to the Holy Spirit? Thank you. Thank the Lord that he's here and, he can, and you can hear him speak to you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit that speaks. And I pray that your presence will minister to us, Lord. That we will have hearts and ears to hear what your Holy Spirit has to say. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen. It's a short message, but we trust that the Holy Spirit will, ma will minister truth to you this morning. In John chapter 4, the Bible tells us of a story of how the Samaritan woman, who was so messed up and lonely in life, goes to the well on a, sun on a sunny afternoon to draw water. To her surprise, she sees a Jewish man sitting at the well all alone. And then this Jewish man breaks the silence between them and asks her for a drink of water. Now the Samaritan woman was so complex with this request and she's thinking to herself, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and we don't normally mix together. And that was the tradition of the day. Jews were never mixed with the Samaritans. And while she was thinking that, Jesus said this in John chapter 4, verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you not just water, but living water. If you only knew the gift of God. I wonder whether we have been in a situation where you walked into a mall and people were, and someone was distributing randomly gift coupons, gift cards. And you happen to get a gift card, but because this is such a regular practice, you don't look at the gift card. You take the gift card and just put it in your pocket. Stop being polite. You take it, you put it in your pocket. The next day you wake up, you look at the gift card, and then you turn at the back and it said, all those who had a gift card, you can cash in this card and receive $1,000. And then you look at it, honey, did, did you see this gift card? Did you also get a gift card? She says, no, why? Look at the back of it. It says those who turn in this gift card at the, at the counter will get $1,000. I can't believe you didn't see it. Normally, you look at all these gift cards. Normally, you are the one that's interested. Why didn't you ask me $1,000? Oh, must be bogus. 
Suki will call up someone else and find out whether they got this gift coupon. You call up a person who happens to be a friend. Did you get this gift coupon? Yeah, I got one. What happened? I went to the counter and I cashed. I got $1,000. You got $1,000? Yes. You didn't. And then he looks at it and he says, if I only knew. If I only knew this coupon, if I cashed it, I would have got $1,000. We'd be going for a holiday now. We could have bought those things in our home if we only knew. How often we go through life where we presume it's going to be another ordinary day. We presume that life is going to be as usual. But if you only knew that God arranged circumstances in your life where you could have a revelation of who he is and a divine moment, it could change your life, you would pay closer attention to what God is saying and what God wants to do. And it's in this context that Jesus was saying to the Samaritan woman, if you only knew the gift of God, we can attend Sunday morning out of a routine, or you could attend Sunday morning out of a purpose saying, I never know what God can say to us this morning. And I've heard of people who walked into a service, the right service at the right time when they had a word of knowledge and God healed them. I also know of people who walked into a service and there was a word of knowledge for them and they said, it can't be me. Because we miss out on those God encounters, the, the God moment in our lives. And that's why I'd like to focus on this message as the God moment. We all have gone through a God moment at some time in our life when somebody shared the gospel with us. And suddenly your heart was warmed and you began to respond to the gospel. When you received Jesus, something happened. It was a God moment. You didn't plan to cross that person's path. You didn't plan to go into that meeting. But it was an ordinary circumstance that God turned it around because your heart was, heart was open to what he's saying. And that's the way I came into the kingdom. It was a God moment when I said as an atheist, oh my God, there is a God. There was a revelation if you only knew this morning was that moment, you will approach life differently. You will approach the things that happen around you differently because you're waiting and anticipating that God moment can happen anytime and at any moment. And that's why Jesus said, if you knew you will be asking me for a drink of water. I wonder whether you've been in a situation where you have a lot of things on your mind. Your heart is troubled. You have to make a decision and you do not know which way to go, what to do. But in the midst of activity, you feel a little compulsion to turn on the TV and you do it not knowing why you're turning the TV on. 
But as you listen to the person speaking on, uh, on the other side, the TV comes alive all of a sudden because what the person is saying is actually reading your thoughts and speaking into your very situation. That is a God moment. How many of you had something like that happen to you? It's good to see your hands. You didn't expect it. It's an ordinary day. You were confused. But that little impulse that you had, the little nudge that you had, you just did it not knowing you were doing it. And God held that moment, caught your attention, and began to speak to you. There is a God who's interested in every one of our lives. There is a God that sent his son Jesus because he, ha he has a message for each one of us. And that's why in verse 13 and 14, Jesus responds to the Samaritan woman. Though she's still not caught the message, she's thinking to herself, he's offering me living waters. He doesn't even have a pot in his hand. And sometimes when God gives you that moment, it seems ridiculous. It seems like an ordinary person, an ordinary conversation, yet it can be divine. If we have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. We have an attitude thinking that God only speaks to us when we are in our private time, in our fasting and praying moments. But actually, God is all the time wanting to catch our attention. God is all the time wanting to speak to us if we only have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Now, this Samaritan woman was not looking for any divine encounter. It was an ordinary day. But because God knew her situation, because God knew what she was going through, Jesus positioned himself in a way that she will have a God moment. Somebody who's tuned into this message and listening, you're not listening because somebody told you it's going to be a God moment for you this morning. And I want everyone, whether you're watching uh, online or whether you're here, to hear with a heart to allow God to minister to you and speak to you this morning. This is what Jesus said to this woman. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Talking about the natural water. But whoever, that, your name is there in that whoever. God is speaking to us. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him, in him, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus knew that this woman was looking for something, searching for something in life, but she was looking at in all the wrong places for the answers. Jesus knew that she had five failed marriages. And you can imagine what her emotional state would have been when the first marriage broke, first relationship, married relationship broke. She got into the second one. She got into the third one and all failed. She tried the fourth one and he also didn't work out for her. She went for the fifth one and even that didn't work out for her. 
How often we look for answers in relationships to meet our emotional need. And a lot of young people think the only source to be loved is, in, is getting into a relationship with the opposite sex. And you're misguided, you're disappointed, and you're left lonely all over again. Husbands, you got married thinking, well, my, my wife will meet my need. And that's been a disappointment. Wife, you could have looked at Prince Charming and said, well, he's the guy who will meet my need. And he's been disappointing. And I have news for you this morning. No human being in this world can ever meet your need to be loved. Can somebody shout an amen? No one. Because our need and our desire to be loved and to be accepted is beyond any human being filling and meeting that need. And Jesus knew it. Here was a woman. She's messed up her life. She's still on the search because the man that she was living in with, she had a living relationship then. So don't think it's a modern term, living relationship. It was ancient. We just revised it with a name. So she was in a living relationship then, and Jesus called it out. He called it out not because he wanted, he wanted to embarrass her. He called it out because, hey, you're looking for something, but you're still not meeting it. She says, marriage failed. I'll try a living one. I'm talking to somebody. No, no, not I. God is talking to somebody here. When she believed what Jesus was saying, she was willing to receive the living waters. From a Jew, you know, I was thinking about this. So often a human vessel can be displeasing in your eyes, but don't reject the message. The messenger can be anybody. The messenger can be someone who you, who you have no regard for, but don't refuse the message. God can use the mess, anyone as a messenger, and we need to be open to that. God moment. You know, I'll share with you a God moment that happened many years ago. I shared it in the first service, so I feel I need to share this again. This was a time when we were wanting to buy this property. I was trusting God for finances as usual. Looks like it's been a life story, trusting God for finances. We went, for the, we went to the UK for a conference. I, we were returning, my wife and I. We, there was a transition period in Dubai, and we stayed over there for a couple of days. And during that time, I get a, a strange call from a person who's a businessman. And he's not just an ordinary businessman. He's a rich businessman. I don't want to use the word stinking rich, okay? But he's rich. I used it in the past service, but he's a rich man. And I thought to myself, he's calling me for what? I just probably heard about him and vaguely met him some years back. What does he want me for? I said this with them. I said, he's called me. He wants to meet with me. I have a philosophy in life. 
And the philosophy in life is just do it. It can be no harm. So I said, I'll come. He arranged, he picked me up, went to his office, his office in one of the top floors, posh office, sitting down there, and I'm looking around. I'm talking about 30 years back. No, sorry, 20 years back. And then he says, I have an appointment with somebody. Come with me in the car, we'll just drop it off, and, I, and I'll bring you, I'll drop you wherever you want to. And I sit in this car, and that time, my first experience, these uh, mugs, you, you heat the seat, you vibrate the back, you have buttons all over, and I'm thinking, hey, this is, this is like uh, one of those, uh, <clears throat> you know, James Bond car kind of thing, you know, it's got all those gadgets. In the conversation, he says, what do you do? I said, I lead a church, and this is it. He says, what is the need you have? I said, we are in the midst of buying a property. We've come halfway. We need some money. I'm trusting God for it. He says, I'll give you 10 lakhs. Just let I give you 10 lakhs. 10 lakhs? I said, thank you so much. God bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, it's worth the call. I mean, who knew? God moment. Who knew? What if I despise that moment because of the exterior, the messenger? Don't. Don't be fooled by the messenger. Go by the message that the person is saying. Came back, followed it, got 10 lakhs, helped us to complete the purchase of the building. I'm waiting for one more God moment. <laughs> and this is, I never shared it, but I'm going to share it now. I'm going to be bold enough to share this God moment. Jim Rayleigh has some prophetic words for us, and you probably heard that name in this church. He has ministered to so many and just blessed us thoroughly with his prophetic word in ministry. And he said this way back. He said two things. He says, when we were planning to buy FMC, he says, in a day, and I still remember his voice, in a day, it will turn around. Believe me, in a day. And I'm thinking, how was it going to turn around? They fixed a contract with another organization, or with another company, secular company. How was it going to turn around in a day? He said, Lord, I don't know. He said it, believe it. It happened. In a day's time, they reversed the decision. I said, wow, that's God. And then he said one thing. He says the money for this property, one person will come and say, here, take the money for it. That's a God moment. Are you listening? <laughs> I don't know. But I know and I have been walking with God enough to know there has been many, many God moments in my life that has defined the course on which I am. And I believe that you can be on the same track waiting for a God moment because we have a God who's interested in our lives and he's a God that speaks and he speaks. He's a master of arranging circumstances so that you're in the right place at the right time for a God moment. Somebody shout an amen. You think it was by accident Jesus chose Samaria, decided to sit on the well all alone when his disciples had left him and gone and to encounter a lone woman? What a stake of his reputation. And he set it up. 
And he's saying to this woman, you are looking for the very answer to your situation. You are face to face with the one who created this universe. You are face to face with the one who can meet your need if you only knew. Church, I want to say this to you. When you worship God, you are face to face with the very one who created this universe and one who knows you and a God who wants to intervene, if we only knew it. Worship should never be a religious practice. Worship is about engaging with a living God face to face with your creator. If you only knew, the one you worship is the one that holds your life in his hands. And he plays it out according to his plans and his purposes. I want to read for you from the Amplified Version, John chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus says, but whoever takes a drink of the water that I will give him will never thirst. No, never be thirsty anymore. But the water I will give him shall become a spring of water, dwelling up, welling up, flowing, bubbling continually within him unto eternal life. God wants that fountain to be in you. The day you were saved, God placed the fountain of living waters on the inside. When the Samaritan woman believed and opened her heart, she experienced what that fountain of living water was all about. For the first time, she didn't need a man to meet her need. For the first time, she didn't need a relationship to feel fulfilled. But she saw what Jesus has done for her. And listen to what the Bible says. The woman, in verse 28, then left the water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, he says, you guys, you think I'm a loose woman? You think my reputation is gone? I have a message for you. Hallelujah. I have a message for you. She left her water pot. The very thing she thought was essential for a day-to-day -day living, a water pot to draw water from the well, suddenly seemed insignificant to the living water that she received. Insignificant. Here's a question for you. What is your water pot? Let me read what happens after that. Her priorities changed. Her purpose changed. She became a woman with a message. And she said in verse 29, Come, see a man who told me all the things that I have ever done. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. She had a message. 
Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, an insignificant, a woman that the world would have considered a write-off, became a woman with a message. In the hands of God, he writes off nobody. So you don't write yourself up. When God has not yet said it's over, then it's not yet over for you. And God, through his son Jesus, allowed this woman to become a God moment, an instrument for a God moment in many people's lives in Samaria. And Samaria understood and experienced Jesus, one woman. A woman who was willing to leave her pot there and go on following the fountain. And I trust that as we approach the end of this year, that our life will not be defined by where we're going to be, what we're going to do, but our life will be defined about where the fountain in us is going to lead you. And if we can only live knowing that there is a fountain on the inside of you, a wellspring of life, he is the source of your joy, the source of your peace. When you have no reason to be joyful, you are joyful because of the fountain that's springing up and bringing life on the inside. One of the comments uh, that I had when people were giving testimony, you're always smiling. I have to smile. I have a fountain on the inside of me. It wells up. It brings peace. It brings joy. You will see me smiling. There is a fountain on the inside. <laughs> the problem is we got caught up with the pot rather than the fountain. And the pot still, hey, my pot. What's your pot? Your family? Your job, oh, I'm going to build a house. He made a pot out of your house. It's just a pot. Something more than a pot. Life. Life. A life the world cannot give. A life that Jesus offers, which is like a wellspring on the inside of you. It keeps you on the cutting edge of what God has for you. Look at what happened. Verse 40, 41. When the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay. Who? Jesus. They urged Jesus to stay with him two more days. And many more believed because of his own word. Fountain. There's a difference between a fountain and a lake. And somehow... We've forgotten what it is to live by the fountain. We become lakes. It's there. It's dead. We haven't had a life. It's gone. This morning, God wants to revive that well. You know, wells need cleaning from time to time because of all the sewage that gets in. And you have to get someone to pull it out. That's what we do in the healing and ministry deliverance. We go back to people's wells and clean it up so the spring of living water will flow. 
This morning, you need to ask yourself, what is it that caused my well to be ineffective? Why isn't it producing the life, the peace, the joy, the satisfaction, the direction that I need? Because the well has got contaminated. It's got contaminated with bitterness. It's got contaminated with unforgiveness. It's got contaminated with ungodly relationships. You have allowed the things all around you to affect you that spoils the well on the inside. Those of you who've never known what it is to have the well in the first place, you will have an opportunity this, evening, this morning. You can come to Jesus and you can say, Lord, I want that living water. I want you to be that fountain, your spirit to be that fountain, the well-being, wellspring of life in me. And those of you who lived a long time a Christian, that's a problem for many. The longer you become a Christian, the more ineffective you become. Who said that? What happened to that spark that you had at one time? What happened to it? What happened to it when you saw somebody, your heart went out to them? But now you've been so used to living in ordinary Christian life, the spark is gone, the fountain is dried up, and you carry on reading the Bible and doing things with no inspiration and nothing of God. It's not a routine. A Christian life is not, a, it's not about fulfilling an agenda. A little Christian life is about knowing you have a fountain on the inside of you. He's called the Holy Spirit. That fountain has a name. It's the presence of Jesus. Tune in for a new message next week. To know more, visit us at www.adonichurch.in.